Hello, pod people. I'm DA, and welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us. It's a new year. I'm feeling well and healthy, celebrating being COVID-free. And I hope you all are doing well out there wherever you are listening from. Happy Black History Month and Happy Love Month. I hope you all are out there celebrating the contributions of the Black community to better our nation. And I hope you all spreading love this Valentine's season. Since we have the privilege of celebrating love and blackness this entire month, in this episode, we will celebrate the amazing love story of Ellen and William Craft, and you will see why this couple is celebrated and forever immortalized in history. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, and follow us on Twitter to be a part of the discussion. Okay, so let's dive on in. So like I mentioned earlier, it's Black History Month and the month of love. And we have begun this month with bomb threats to HBCUs and white supremacists attempting to ban black history being taught in schools altogether by labeling any mention of a black historical figure or ideology as critical race theory. And as many of you now know, critical race theory is a law class which examines how racism was built into the legal framework and structure of our nation. It is not taught in elementary schools, but white supremacy is not oriented in truth. It is anchored in deceit and any tools that can weaponize and divide people. So in this episode, let's redirect their attempts by dropping some knowledge on the history of black love. So last February, our team received an overwhelming response to our episode entitled Love in a Time of Slavery. So we wanted to first thank you for listening. And for those who have not yet heard the episode, you can catch up on that and all other episodes on love anywhere you get your podcasts. But we also wanted to continue the conversation by highlighting these epic love stories in our own American history. And I emphasize American history because black history is indeed American history. This is not just learning for a select group of people in a specific month. This is for everyone to acknowledge and learn about how black history has shaped our nation. And so I will just say this little blurb since there is a movement to erase black history, especially it being taught in schools. We learn about history, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that we can honor the truth about who we are. It gives us hope for what we have been able to overcome as a nation. It gives voice to those to whom this nation has oppressed, and it helps generations to come to avoid the behaviors that oppress others and erode our democratic society. The reason that white supremacists are bending over backwards to avoid any discussions about black history is because they are very openly and actively repeating some of the darker parts of our history, and they can't face that ugly truth about themselves. For example, politicians who are actively trying to prevent the black and brown community from voting are just merely repeating the systematic racist behavior of preventing black and brown people from voting when slave codes were enacted in during the Jim Crow era. Why their focus is on preventing children from learning about black history, that they have gone as far as to threaten school officials and fire teachers, is because they know that children learning not to hate or oppress others makes society more progressive and ultimately a different place. 
When children learn about loving their neighbors rather than othering their neighbors, they grow up into adults who practice this. Adults who practice love and acceptance do not vote for politicians who sell them hate and division. But most of all, learning about the uglier parts of history ruins the myth that the white community is inherently good, kind, gentle, and trustworthy. And it is those other cultures of people who are inherently violent and in need of white guidance to become civilized. If slavery and racism happened, it is explained away by being a long time ago, or it wasn't that bad, or it was by those bad white people, which is a community always much smaller than the larger majorities, even though the majority of the white community supported the system of enslavement. So it's like the few bad apples argument that is typically thrown our way when an officer of the law beats or kills an unarmed black person. So I know a lot of you have voiced frustration and how this resurgence of erasing black history is just so frustrating and depleting. And I feel you because I'm just disgusted by the whole thing myself. But just remember that our society has been through this before, where a group of white supremacists and those who support upholding that system try and do everything in their power to erase our history and attempt to degrade our culture by putting us back in our place. And even when we overcome this wave, they will certainly come back to start another. So we must reconcile ourselves that this will not be their last attempt. But our platform will always try and seek truth. And one way we can positively contribute to the discourse is helping all our listeners on their journeys towards truth by discussing our true history. And with that said, let's talk about a notable badass black couple enshrined in our American history. Their names are Ellen and William Kraft. Ellen and William Kraft are one of the most notable couples during the period of slavery and after the Civil War. You can find countless books and movies about this couple because they are known for the epic way in which they escaped slavery. History believes that Ellen Kraft was born around 1826 in Clinton, Georgia. She was born as a result of the rape of her slave owner and her biracial enslaved mother. And as a result, her complexion was so fair that she often passed as a white woman in society. In fact, she was often mistaken for being fully included in the white family that enslaved her, that it angered the slave owner's wife participating in the cruel system of supremacy and exploitation. When Ellen was a young girl, the slave owner's wife became jealous and enraged that she sold Ellen as a wedding present to her daughter around 1837. In that way, Ellen would serve her daughter and know her place. And for those who are keeping track of the dates, it means that Ellen was only 11 years old when she was sold to her own half-sister to whom enslaved her. It was around the early 1840s that historians believe that Ellen first met William Kraft. Historians believe that William was born around 1824, so they were around the same age. They fell in love, and it was around 1846 that they became husband and wife. And just a reminder, as I had mentioned in earlier episodes, at this time in history, the enslaved were forbidden to marry. So they performed ceremonies that recognized their unions, even though they were not recognized or legitimized by the state. And it would be the power of their love for one another that would ultimately lead to their freedom.
Sadly, both Ellen and William had experienced the cruelty and brutality of slavery, especially having to endure being auctioned and sold like cattle to multiple slave owners beginning when they were very young. At just 16, William was auctioned and sold to settle a slave owner's debt, but while he was on the auctioning block, he had to endure watching his 14-year-old sister being auctioned and sold on that same block. And it was a horrible and traumatizing scene because she cried and she begged and she pleaded not to be separated from him. And this beautiful young child had every right to be frightened. At this time in our nation's history, the courts had codified the right of a slave owner to rape slaves with impunity and without the risk of creating children that would thus have the rights of their slave owners. Instead, children like Ellen would be recognized by the courts as a slave for life with no rights because their status would follow that of the mother's. And as a side note, for all those who don't prescribe to the idea that slavery and racism were deliberate constructs, now do you see it? The laws of this nation were created to perpetually keep those most vulnerable enslaved. But back to William. So before having to witness the horrific separation of his little sister, they both had to endure watching their parents and other siblings being sold and separated and scattered throughout the South. It was the cruelty of separating children and families that would be the hallmark reason for their escape. When they fell in love and got married, Ellen and William wanted a family, but realized that they could not live with the horror and cruelty of watching their own child being sold off and separated from them. So they devised one of the most epic plans that outsmarted their slave owners and gained them their freedom. Because the complexion of Ellen's skin was so fair, she often passed as a white woman. So she decided to change her entire appearance to resemble a wealthy white man traveling to Philadelphia for important medical treatment and William would play the role of her slave. Because neither of them could read or write and the travel would require Ellen to sign documentation, Ellen cut off all of her hair and bandaged her whole face to give the illusion she was blind. She also put one arm in a sling so that she would not be required to write anything. Because if we remember, back in this time, slaves were also not allowed to read and write to ensure that slaves remained ignorant and they would stay enslaved and wouldn't escape. So typically in the month of December, slaves were granted passes around Christmas time to be with their family members enslaved on other plantations. So they simply got passes to leave their plantation for a few days and thus the slave owner would not detect that they had escaped for days. William had saved some money providing carpentry services for others and instead of giving it to his slave owner like he is supposed to, he hid it. Therefore, in December 1848, they hopped a train from Georgia to the free state of Philadelphia. They were so convincing that these two formerly enslaved people were able to escape slavery via a first-class train ride and they were able to stay at the best hotels with the best services because the staff being convinced that Ellen was a disabled white man, they essentially rolled out the red carpet for them. Like I said, epic. Now they did hit some scary moments where they were almost caught, but because they were so smart, they were able to overcome it. And on Christmas day in 1848, they arrived in the free state of Philadelphia. 
In the book that this amazing couple wrote in 1860 entitled Running a Thousand Miles for Freedom, they give a full account of their lives in slavery and their epic escape. Ellen stated in the book that when she stepped off the train into the free state of Philadelphia, she just cried and said, end quote, thank God, William, we're safe, end quote. <sighs> Be still my beating heart. Now that is what I call a love story. And their story did not just stop there. Upon arriving to Philadelphia, abolitionists and other formerly enslaved persons provided them with immediate assistance, including teaching them both to read and write. In 1850, which would be two years of them living as free persons, they had moved from Philadelphia to Boston and were thriving. And true to form, like it is very true today, when black people progress, those who are sickened with the disease of hatred and racism will ensure to pull them and the country back so that black people will know their place or never fully feel safe in their freedom. And thus, in 1850, the Fugitive Slave Act was signed into law by the U.S. Congress. The Fugitive Slave Act essentially made it legal for slave owners and bounty hunters to go in search for those who escaped enslavement and bring them back to the South to be re-enslaved. Or worse. And those who assisted in the enslaved's escape would also be held accountable. And as a result, Ellen and William found out that in 1850, slave hunters were searching for them to bring them back to the South to re-enslave them. And once again, they outsmarted them and escaped safely to England. Again, this couple is so epic. And in England, they honored the promise they made to each other when they became husband and wife, not to have any children born into the horrors and brutalities of slavery. This epic couple had five children, where they all resided in England for about 20 years. And then they did something pretty shocking. In 1865, slavery was abolished through the ratification of the 13th Amendment. And upon receiving this news, the couple decided to return to the U.S., the place that had traumatized them with three of their children. And they came back to the U.S. with an amazing goal and purpose, to educate the newly freed Black community. Upon their return to the U.S. in 1870, with funding from abolitionists, they established two schools, one for children and one for adults in South Carolina and in Georgia. The schools taught an ambitious curriculum of math, reading, writing, and agriculture. But true to form, like I mentioned earlier, when black people progress, there will always be a faction of the white community and those diseased by racism and hatred to ensure to hinder that progress. And thus the KKK wanting to hinder the progression of newly free black people from learning, they went and burned down both of the schools. And because the strength and courage of this couple is unshakable, they promptly started another school in Woodville, Georgia, according to History.com. 
And this school became even more successful than the last two. So much so that it angered the white community. They were enraged at the rise of black power in that area, but they realized that the violent acts and racial terror were not working. So the white community spread rumors to the abolitionist community that Ellen and William's school mismanaged funds, which quickly caused their original donors to end all funding for the school, ultimately resulting in its closing. And it became a bit of a domino effect for this couple. They lost funding for the school, which also meant that they lost the lands by which they lived and taught on, and thus they fell massively into debt and were forced to live with the families of their children. Historians believe that it was at the age of 64 in 1890 that Ellen had died. But as this power couple would demonstrate, not even death could separate their love. Shortly after her death, William died in 1900, reuniting this couple for all eternity. What a radical couple who put it all on the line for love. They, in a time of cruelty and brutality, chose love. That was their first radical choice. Then, although it was illegal for them to do so, solidified their commitment as husband and wife. That was their second radical choice. Then they decided that their love deserved to grow in freedom and that they were both human beings worthy of it. That was their third radical choice. And after two harrowing escapes together, they honored the promise made to each other that they would not have children born enslaved. And they pulled all of this off. That is what I call a true love story. But the thing that also stands out to me was their love of the formerly enslaved. They safely had escaped to freedom and could have lived their entire life in England. They didn't do that. They came back to ensure that the black community could survive after slavery's end by being a part of the solution and braving the racial terrorism to educate the formerly enslaved because they believed what many abolitionists believed, and that was that the biggest fighter against oppression was knowledge. Barbara McCaskill, who is a professor of English at the University of Georgia, stated that, in quote, abolitionists understood that one of the most effective weapons that they had to defeat slavery were the stories of formerly enslaved persons themselves, because these people could vouch for the reality of enslavement, end quote. So when I think of the recent movements to ban books and any mention of black history, I think of this. It's the radical notion that you can fight oppression with owning your own narrative and telling the truth of your history. That is why racists are working overtime to erase that history. But going back to the love that this epic couple shared for one another and for the enslaved, I want to ask you listeners one question that I hope you will think about this month. How would your life and surrounding community benefit from giving and receiving a love like Ellen and Williams? Think about it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Millennial Edition. Happy Valentine's Day and happy Black History Month. We are still suffering through a pandemic, so get vaxxed and boosted and be careful up in these streets. And I look forward to engaging with you all soon.